Welcome, travelers. This is Beautiful Flying Radio. Resist 
through art, joy, faith, and love. settled into a nice little hotel on the beach via Mexicana and uh, pretty much all he wanted to do all day was to uh, drink margaritas and smoke weed which was perfectly fine for a couple of days but I wanted to do a couple of other things and uh, when I was in New York I was renting office space from an architectural firm and the woman who owned the firm said oh you're going to Zihuatanejo Oh, she had been here uh, here in Ziwa uh, in the 60s with her brother, and she, she said, you have to go to Playa Las Gatas. And she had told stories of scuba diving for fish, and the Mexican family would prepare the fish and, and uh, played checkers with an old Frenchman with, with bottle caps on the beach. And, and uh, there was, a, there was a, a wall that was good for snorkeling. It was a built underwater wall. It was built by an ancient Indian king to protect the waters uh, for his daughters to swim, and that was the legend, and maybe it's true, and I don't know, but there's a wall, and anyway, so, so after a couple of days of hanging on the beach, I said, well, you want to go check this place out? He said, no, go ahead, and so I went to the end of the beach and rented some snorkel and fins, and, and, uh, and then, well, it's around the corner, it's down around the, the next, keep swimming, and then there's this other beach, so I swam over, and and I come around the corner and I see this beach with little umbrellas and, okay, cool. You can only get there by water. Uh, I mean, it is possible to climb across rocks, but most people take little pongas across. And so I'm swimming over there and then I'm, and I look down and, oh, yeah, there's the underwater wall. And, well, yeah, the fish are beautiful. And, and uh, so I didn't know which, where to go. I kind of, I looked over to the right side and there were these palapas, these the palm roofs that looked very Polynesian style and I thought well that looks cool so I, I swam over that direction and I, I come out of the water and I come around the corner and I'm cautious because I don't know if this is really private or public or what and I come upon this feast and there's a fellow standing at this table with, with beautiful fish and guacamole and flowers and this fellow says welcome join us and I pulled the 
pockets out of my wet bathing suit. I said, you know, I said, I don't have any money. I just swam over. He said, my guest. That was Owen Lee, uh, who was the, turned out to be the uh, first American to join Jacques Cousteau with the Calypso many moons ago. Enchanted by it, and uh, I went back to the hotel later. And the, the the week ended, and we checked out of the hotel. And my friend took off for the airport, and because he was going to Madison, Wisconsin, I was going to New York. And then I found out that the snowstorm of the century had moved in on New York, and all the airports were closed. So I had this. Oh, I'm in a foreign country. What am I going to do here by myself? And I uh, I went taxi, and I. I took a taxi over to the dock, to the Moyer, and I got a boat across the bay over to this place, Playa Las Gatas, and there's Owen, and he says, he said, oh, you made it back. I said, Owen, you need help, and I'm here to help you. And he said, great. I said, Owen, you, you got a communication problem here. you got a restaurant. You don't even have a sign. You, you know, you have, you have, you rent these bungalows, and there's no signs. I mean, how's anybody supposed to know about this? And he said, well, can you paint me some signs? And I thought, well, let's see, I've been kind of working on the computer for a lot of years. I guess I could paint some signs. So I went into town and bought some paints, and he had his guys varnish some driftwood. And there I am under the palm trees with my straw hat, and I'm painting these signs. And I thought, these look, these look really pathetic. And then I put them up, and they look pretty good. And, uh, and then, I, so the time started to pass, and... Uh, I'm there for a few more days and a few more days and a few more days, and now the weeks are starting to tick by. And I'm, I'm, I have this my own little palapa in the back corner that was completely magical with the mosquito nets and my candles and my music. And I'm, I'm like, been an overhead fan, and I'm just pinching myself like I'm in a movie. This is unbelievable. And I would go into town with him and and uh, buy fish or take the laundry in and just do errands and stuff. And and I and he really needed some help. He was getting older, and I thought. Maybe this is what I should do. Um, don't feel guilty about being happy because it's the resistance. Happy is the resistance. It's about what world do you want beyond this? So when we go through the portal, let's not go down the hole. Let's go through the portal together and find the... the well, what brought this up was the idea of what do you want in life, right? I mean... You know, sometimes you go through and you just mundane and just, oh, I gotta get, I gotta do this because of this or that. But let's 
kind of find what you want and go to the portal and take take it. Many peace measures, like he, as you said, he flew across the Suez Canal in 1972, just before the war between Egypt and and, uh, and Israel, and basically kind of set the foundation and showing that this the Suez Canal. We we said that we we're not going to going to cross this, and and over here is that you know on both sides of the enemy, depending on which side you're on. So he said, let's you know birds can can fly across. Uh, Barriers, you know, why can't we? And let's just, you know, it's just a changing of your attitude. You say you can't go across it. So he had a plane that was painted by Peter Max, which was kind of, if you can imagine, it's an artwork in itself. But um, kind of with like with angels and stars and you know, uh, you know, being flying across. So he's he's uh, he says well, I'm gonna. So he flew across around the world with this this little plane with him. So. But he flew into uh, many different places. It's a story, so, you know, each of the places. But when he came to to uh, to Israel, you know, he came. You know, first just the attitude that he had. He says, you know, you hear him talk about it. He says, these people, you know, there are so many great ideas, and, and it's very very positive. And he said, uh, he said, I want to go see a Palestinian village. And then he, you know, they drove him out to a village and as far as they could get. Um, towards um, towards the, the Suez Canal, and it was and it went into it. And he goes into the village, and he says, "You know, these people—it's just like India. These people live just like us. They're just like us, you know." And you know, so so on both sides, he you know, he always he just came with respect, you know, to everybody, and uh, in coming with that, and it was nothing was was um, um, affected. It was just you know from perspective of really trying to, to see the divine in everyone. from above, you know, so he's, and he really worked from a place of, of intuition, 
an intuition. I mean, you can say, well, somebody was, you know, was told to do some terrible thing, but from Iman, again, using your discrimination, if it's really intuition, it's going to be something which is going to help you to realize this, this unity and diversity. And if you're demonizing the other side some way or another, then you know that, that it's not really intuition, it's some instinct, you know, some lower instincts which are, are, which are coming. So it's such a, you know, you have to look at it, but he was very good at that. Anyway, so he flew across the Suez Canal, they was threatened to be shot down by the Israeli jets. Then he gets on the other side, and it was the Egyptian jets that threatened to shoot him down. And then they took him in, and they thought he was a CIA agent. And, and uh, you know, he had beautiful stories about that. It's a whole long, I won't go into it now, but, it, but uh, you know, and they take him and they put him into this prison, you know, and, this, and uh, interrogate him, and you know, for for several hours. And he said when he got there, it was like being. He was so happy because it was quiet, it was dark, and they fed him, they fed him dates, you know, so it was nice pure food. <laughs> and he was on this world, flying around the world, and it was a nice rest for him. Yes. And they interrogated him, and of course he, you know, was speaking with his respect and, and uh, his sense of humor and everything else. Uh, well, you know, after you know a few hours of interrogation, they realized that this is really. He's really there for peace, and then from being a prisoner, he becomes a VIP. <laughs> and uh, so they want to take him around and show him the, you know, the pyramids. And he had some some guards who were taking him, you know, he had escorts. And he said, "But we have to take you one place that we really want to take you." Because they wanted to take him to uh, to uh, an Egyptian nightclub. Yeah, so and he wasn't really interested, but they, you know, he could see that these people—that's what they really wanted. So he ended up going there. And uh, so that they could go, and then uh, they ask him, well, "What do you think?" Well, I said, "I was actually much more comfortable in the prison than I was in the nightclub. You know, it was loud and people were drinking and all these things. But one thing that he really appreciated, he said, these women had this great control over their abdominal muscles." listening to Beautiful Flying Radio. I'm Lip Bone Redding. Thank you for joining me. Continue the journey at www.beautifulflyingradio.com. Be safe. Be well.